Yes, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the theme scripture, as Charlie reminded me, under construction. Um, there were about 70 people there. Um, uh, there were seven young people visiting from Adelaide um, or South Australia, and two of them uh, had come the previous year. So uh, two of them uh, loved it that much. They came again. Uh, what, um, adults, there was uh, Pastor Mark Wickstein and his wife Jenny who were there, and also um, Ramondo Hurtado. Yeah, top bloke. He was one of the young people, one of the young girls' father. Um, so uh, it was good to see them there. Um, and yeah, there was. Uh, a testimony that I want to share that um, was quite interesting. <laughs> um, it was one of the young people from uh, Adelaide and, well, South Australia, and he, was, he grew up in a place called Malang, which is um, near Lake Alexandrina on a farm. And he, never, he was never taught about God. His, uh, his parents never mentioned God or anything but he always kind of believed there was something else. And for some reason, they sent him to a Catholic school and he learnt a little bit about um, God there. Um, so I don't get too much of it wrong. I'll say that uh, So things were developing in his mind um, about God and what he must do uh, that's right with God. And um, he ended up getting depressed um, like wondering what, what the point of life is, <laughs> which sounds familiar, and uh, because he, he wanted to know more, more about these things. And um, what was it? there was a school chaplain uh, over a period of time, helped him out, but it turned out um, this school chaplain went to the Revival Fellowship and later on witnessed to him, and he came along, was baptised and received the Holy Spirit. Now, what happened was, as a result of that, his dad kicked him out of home. And, uh, and so it was pretty rough. Um, I think it was six years ago that he got baptised and he just testified that only recently his dad's been baptised and is seeking for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? There's, so, like, we all, there's tough things that we go through when we first come to the Lord and uh, they just wait on the Lord, put him first, and, uh, and it's just uh, amazing. And it's just like someone who was hungering and thirsting after righteousness, looking around, trying to find out and confused and just uh, wanting to know. And then when someone told him and explained him, he just latched hold of it and uh, um, he actually gave what they call a TED talk, which is just a short five or ten minute talk um, on a theme that I'll bring out later. So, yeah, that was a really good to hear that uh, testimony and um, and also just to catch up with him for a bit of a chat as well afterwards. So uh, uh, that was good. Um, okay, th- the um, theme scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. It says here, For we are labourers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. 
For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Uh, a great, um, great theme, like uh, theme scripture here. And verse 9, it says, for we are labourers together. You know, we're not on our own. We're together. We can't. Uh, it's not God's plan for us to be alone. You know, we're together and uh, there's a foundation that's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ based on the word. And then we then build on that foundation with things that is uh, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or stubble. And those things that we build upon will be tried by fire. Now, it's obvious when we read those six items, uh, three of them will last, in fact, are purified by fire, and three of them are destroyed. And um, the, uh, the gold, silver, precious stones, you know, that's like we can look at it like um, the, the wisdom from God and the, the doctrines from God, and we apply them in our life and then... The wood haste double is the wisdom from the world and the doctrines from the world, and but also um, the wood haste double is the work we even do here on earth. You know, like uh, we have a job to earn money, which stays here on earth. Build a house, which stays here on earth. We've got car that stays here on earth. Food that stays here on earth. That's all wood haste double because it, it remains here on earth and is is dissolved by fire. Um, but the gold, silver, precious stone—that's like the, the treasure in heaven. Now, um, the treasure in heaven, we have access to that today, uh, being a, um, a, a, a solid walk and an understanding of scriptures and uh, an assembly that's strong and outreaching. And so that's all, st- and then it builds us up, uh, like our faith up and all that. That's all uh, gold, silver, precious stones, which is um, treasure in heaven. Um, and what it says there is, um, where is it? Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So through life, we have to uh, put effort into the wood, hay and stubble to survive here on earth. Um, The fire at the end of the world will destroy all that and will suffer loss, or uh, we can also suffer loss here on earth as we're following God's ways because it's wood, hay, stubble, but we ourselves will be saved, you know, uh, if, we, if we build the uh, gold, silver, precious stones. And also what we find is the wood, hay, stubble is always a burden to us, isn't it? Um, it's things that drag us down and it, it uh, distracts us from the purity of following God's ways but it's the nature of what it is our life here is on earth. It's just, it's so much a a balance, isn't it? Um, But there is that whole under construction thing that we are building our life here uh, in as part of the kingdom of God. It's it's an ongoing thing. It never ends. And that was, uh, that was something that came out that was, uh, that was important is that, uh, that um, that mentality that we're always building um, and not to sleep, if you know what I mean. So John chapter 6. 
John chapter 6. Just a couple of verses here, John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 26. John chapter 6 and verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labour not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. So this was scripture that was brought out on Sunday morning. Is um, you know, Jesus is saying to these people who sought him out, you know, he, he crossed the, uh, the lake, um, but he's saying, the only reason you sought me out is because just before that, I fed, you know, 5,000 people and, uh, and you just want more food, uh, which is wood, hay, stubble. It's just the food. It's like um, the blessings that stay here on earth. And, uh, um, but what he's saying is, look, labour not for that, um, because that perishes, but labour for that food which endures unto everlasting life, you know, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and when uh, this was read in Sunday morning, there's a, I was thinking there's a direct link to Matthew chapter 6, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So uh, our priority and our effort is, to, is for the meat which does not perish for the meat with, which endures unto everlasting life, and the Lord will provide all that meat food that perishes. Um, that's what the Lord's told us he will do. It's in Matthew chapter 6. So it's like we, our focus is to build with uh, gold, silver, precious stones, and the Lord will provide what we need with respect to the wood, hay and the stubble. Does that make sense, what I'm saying there? And so it was really good to, uh, to hear that Sunday morning is, look, hey, we lead uh, a life on earth and people that followed Jesus, they had this amazing blessing where they 5,000 that were filled. That was a blessing of the Lord, you know. But our, our primary aim of following Jesus is to be raised up to meet the Lord in the air, to last Right to endure, and uh, um, along the way we get amazing blessings, and we testify of the power of the living God. Because, like that feeding of five thousand, was an amazing miracle, uh, which is testified continually through through the Bible. But the Lord wants us to focus on um, eternal life. That's why we're here. Uh, we want to be raised up to meet the Lord in the air, dwell with Him forever. We have the Spirit in us. We'll we'll shed this body and dwell with Him forever. And, uh, and that's the food that we're after. And that food is uh, the gold, silver, precious stones, which is the prayer, the reading, the fellowshipping, you know, the outreaching, you know, putting, doing, putting that effort into building uh, something that will last uh, the, the, the fire. Uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. So when we think of building, we think of this passage, Luke chapter 6. Luke 6 and verse 46. 
So it's Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the house arose, sorry, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So uh, building this house, our life, and uh, the implication there in verse 48 is it takes effort, uh, which was... uh, clearly made throughout the the weekend, that it takes effort to dig deep, um, to push aside the sand, you know, that fragmented rock, uh, little bits of doctrine without the full picture, um, push aside our our old lives, you know, our old ideas, uh, dig deep and build on that that rock that does not move, uh, so that when the flood arises, uh, trials, troubles, whatever in our life, uh, will stay put. And that was also what was mentioned was um, in one of the discussions is in times, you know, that uh, you seek the Lord and you, you, you um, get established with routine, like the prayer routine, the reading routine, the, the going to meetings routine, you get that ingrained as a part of your life, right? It's just a part of your life. It's, it, 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 it's just something that just rolls on. And, and if that momentum is established in your life, that momentum will keep going so that when the floods arise, when you get opposition, when you get trouble, you've got that established momentum to keep you going because you're built on the rock. Whereas if you don't get that routine and that uh, momentum going, you're building on the sand so that when the flood comes, it just so it sweeps you underneath. And, uh, and so that was an interesting point that someone made in the discussion is just get that simple stuff. To, and we actually hear it in the, in the gifts a lot, you know, get the simple stuff established so that, and so that it's continuous in your life, throughout your life. It's a part of your life, you know, um, and it's a day-to-day thing so that uh, then your house stands um, and, and you're solid, mate. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5. So that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, 
but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So that little conclusion there, verse 9, God hasn't actually appointed us to be a part of that package where his wrath will, uh, will be shown onto these people, the disobedient people, but he's called us the other way to be, uh, obtain salvation. And so uh, let us not sleep. And when this was brought out, I was thinking about uh, that talk by um, Pastor Paul Noble's son about this. Yeah, Brad, I think it was. He, he was bringing up about the sleep. He did such a good job, didn't he, in describing that. I thought, yeah, let us be awake and, um, and know, like, and know well, so awake and active uh, to, to read the Bible, to pray, fellowship, outreach, do all those things and, um, because we've been appointed to salvation. And I was pl- pleased as well in um, one of the discussion groups was that um, the way it was structured was to, for people to think of their goals in the Lord. And one of them, um, just people kept saying over and over again, I just want to be able to preach the gospel more. I want to get out. And, and it's just so good to see that desire and then just and they're bouncing off each other and just growing this desire to preach the gospel more and to be active and to be awake uh, in these things and to, to not be, um, I guess, content that it's all hunky-dory, you know, like because, ah, sit back and um, like just get out there and do things. It was really good to see. Um, go to Ephesians chapter 6. So another TED Talk. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, while you turn there, uh, it was interesting, uh, this person has a construction background and, um, and they put up on the screen a JSA, like it's a, jo- <laughs> a job safety analysis. So um, it's supposed to be routine, but hey, they're annoying to do, so most people don't do them. But before anything that you do with construction, whether you're shifting dirt from there to there or you're digging a hole or you're twitching wire or whatever, you're supposed to have a little five-minute, take five, tick boxes. That's a job safety analysis. So you sit back for a moment and you have a look at what could go wrong. And then you figure out, okay, well, how, how do I mitigate that so that things don't go wrong? So it was interesting how he put it up on the screen and he was going through things, uh, getting feedback of uh, what are the dangers in the Lord. You know, what are the, sit back with this take five, you know, or the, the, the dangers that can pull us away, you know, those, um, those commitments that can take us away from uh, meetings or uh, like, um, or th- like, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll say what it is. So uh, a big one was uh, like boys or girls, you know, like, and that's a classic thing. Like uh, teenagers want to go out with someone and so that could pull someone away, you know, because, oh, there's nobody in the Lord and all this sort of stuff. So that could be a danger. Um, sport on Sundays, it's a danger. Um, uh, another one was um, when you stop praying, stop reading. And they, these are things that are dangerous, like it's a, it's a safety problem with our walk in the Lord and then uh, the whole thing is, okay, you'll analyse that and then, well, how do you mitigate these problems so that you stay, you stay put, stay in the Lord. It's like a JSA. And then here, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God. Now, when you think about it, you go to war and 
there's a real safety issue <laughs> when you go to war. So you put the armour on to mitigate those problems. And so here uh, we are part of a spiritual army and there's a list of what the armour is to mitigate these safety problems that, uh, that we can encounter in our walk that can pull us away. So verse 11 again, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand or um, you won't uh, move you know, move from uh, the path that God's chosen. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So the truth's important. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing uh, that righteousness uh, comes from God. 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, that, that's that desire to spread the gospel. Above all, taking the shield of faith. You know, keep that faith strong, uh, regardless of what happens. Wherewith? You shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, and that was brought up as one of the major things, um, mitigating factors to, to help our, uh, our safety in the Lord, is to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, in tongues, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So that was an interesting way to present it. Is, uh, and here the, the armour um, is laid out nicely, these, these items, you know, uh, um, the truth, knowing the truth, uh, the sword of the spirit. We've got the spirit in us and praying in the spirit, being built up in the spirit. We've got uh, the faith, which is important. Um, yeah, and then when, when that was mentioned, I always think of... Um, um, the uh, the widow that with the unjust judge, and she kept at the the, uh, the judge, and uh, and he eventually said, "Oh look, um, I will give it to her, lest I be wearied." And the conclusion of that passage is, um, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth? And uh, and that there, the the uh, shield of faith, we can prove our faith that no matter. What happens around us or in us, even if we don't find any answers or see any answers to our prayer, our faith is proven by continually praying. And, uh, and it's like, God, here I am, I'm faithful. Here I am, one of those people that you'll come back to for. And so that's that shield of faith. And with that shield of faith, you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Um, so uh, that, that's wonderful and uh, and. Just knowing our salvation, knowing we're right with God, knowing God is our Father. Um, there, there's an amazing uh, confidence in that as well, which the young people have that confidence. They've brought it up in the Lord. It's just really good to see. First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. So this other TED Talk was um, an interesting analogy. First Samuel chapter 17 with 
a martial art called jiu-jitsu. Um, apparently, uh, jiu-jitsu um, is a martial art that can conquer all other martial arts. And there was apparently a uh, competition, is that right, <laughs> something in the US, um, where the, it was organised by the jiu-jitsu, someone... Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. The other martial arts came together thinking, right, we, they're, they're better than the jiu-jitsu and turned out the, the, the jiu-jitsu person was the winner of this competition um, with this particular... I don't know anything about the martial arts <laughs> other than what this person was saying. It started in Japan, taught someone in Brazil and, yeah, that's all I know. I don't know any techniques. But apparently it's, uh, it's a martial art that in this competition, defeated all other forms of martial art. And so it, it wasn't dependent upon the size of the person, it was just that uh, ability. And it was a really good analogy. It's like we can seem small in the Lord and, uh, and there, there, there's so many things around us that can seem big, you know, um, but the analogy was that if we put our effort in and we train jiu-jitsu style... We train that way, we can defeat all other opposition, okay? It was really quite interesting. Um, and here, this is a scripture that he read out, was uh, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 38. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armour, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armour, and he essayed to go. But he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Or he hasn't actually uh, been in battle with them. He's not confident in this armour. It's not familiar with him. That's important as well. We work with the armour that's familiar to us. Uh, Verse 40, and he took... His staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him, went before uh, Goliath. Uh, Verse 42, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves or uh, sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I'll smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I'll give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. 
And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in the forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. And that was um, interesting uh, there. And so having this analogy of jiu-jitsu and with these other strong people, strong martial arts and so forth, and there's his little David. And, uh, and he, he said at the first that the Lord will deliver. The Lord will deliver. And... Um, we're familiar, we need to get familiar, if we're not, with the word of God. This is our, um, our, our protection, it's our, our guidance, it's, uh, it's what uh, will help us uh, through life as uh, we're encountered uh, with things. And uh, um, that's right, there was another testimony of a young person uh, from Adelaide and uh, he encountered, for some reason, uh, he had to stand up for the Lord at school. Uh, during the time of like the gay marriage and so forth. And as a result of that, he got quite a bit of bullying from it. Um, And um, he was saying there were two in particular. And and so if you can imagine, that's like a Goliath. It's like, oh, okay, I'll just sweep along with it or do you stand up? But what he did is he prayed about it and within a week those two really bad bullies gone, left the school. Because uh, it's pretty intimidating stuff. I mean, think back when you're like 15 and you have to stand up in front of the class over these things. And uh, so it's pretty intimidating. And the, the Lord came through. Uh, he was like that little David up against the Goliath. And uh, it was really good to hear. Um, turn to Proverbs chapter 29. So um, I'll bring this out because uh, one of the young people's leaders told me that there was an issue that's come up there. Um, people say have said to him, oh, but we're not saved by attendance, right? So that's the question here. Are we saved by attendance? Um, reasonable? Turns out I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> I'm going to read some scriptures out and, uh, and then you can make up your own mind. So that was interesting there. So uh, that's something that he's confronted with. Um, unfortunately, like... Um, we only had half an hour in the discussion, so I never got around to, uh, to tackling that in the discussion groups, but I thought I'd bring that up because um, it kind of came from Nanga. Um, so are we saved by attendance? Um, here in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, it's an important thing. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish but he that keeps the law, happy is he. So vision is important, you know, a unity of vision. I mean, it says in the psalm as well, like the, the un- unity is uh, so beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. So where there is no... So number one, uh, we collectively, we need a vision. Um, otherwise, we perish, we break up, we fall to pieces. We, we no longer exist as an, uh, as an entity or an assembly or as, you know, like a worldwide thing even. So we all need that common vision. Uh, to last. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, verse 
23. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. It's a profession. It's, what, uh, it's our occupation of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let us, excuse me, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay? So as we see uh, the day approaching, the Lord coming back, you know, there's tumultuous times. Um, at, like this young person's testimony had to stand up for some reason in the class with this uh, homosexual marriage thing. You know, there's uh, trouble happening that's getting close. And so not forsaking ourselves together, the assembling, as an assembly, as a group of people, uh, as the manner of some is. And then when I reread this, it says, but exhorting one another, you know, encouraging one another, you know, um, and... When we're with these discussion groups, you know, I said that, um, you know, they were bouncing off each other. It was totally like encouraging each other, you know, and uh, encouraging people to keep going and seeking the Lord and, and yeah, ideas and so forth. And, um, and even um, they have this uh, Nanga time, they call it, which is uh, at the end of each day, they sit around as they're in their team and they go around the circle and... Um, get some feedback as to what people got out of the day's activities. And, I mean, it's only a little thing, but after what everyone says, they, they all give them a clap, you know, and encourage them and exhort them and say, yes, well done, that was really good what you just said. And, uh, and it's just really good uh, to do that, exhort one another, encourage one another, provoking one another. And what it says here, you provoke to love and good works. You know, you don't provoke them to other things. You provoke them to build up love and good works and, uh, and to encourage to keep going uh, in that way. And, um, and to do, like I said before, to develop a routine that you can fall back on. Uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13, penultimate scripture. John 13. John chapter 13 and verse 12. John 13 and verse 12. So, after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Okay? So we know that we must wash each other's feet. Okay? And you do that when you come together as an assembly, but then it's, it's a good conclusion there, verse 17. It says, if you do that, if you do that, then happy are ye. Okay, this is 
gold, silver, precious stones, stuff that will survive the fire, stuff that will help us continue, uh, that, uh, that momentum, that uh, building on the rock so that when the floods arise, we're not swept away. Happy are you if you do these things, um, that you look to each other to wash each other's feet. Um, and, uh, and we know, and as is mentioned plenty of times, Wednesday evenings is a classic example. We're often worn out and we push ourselves to get there, but then we leave and the spirit's just uplifted. And then on Sundays as well, it's the day. We often push ourselves here as well, get up that bit early on a day like today, but by the end your spirit's just lifted up and happy are ye if you do these things and you continue to do these things. Excuse me. Finish up Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the theme of the, talk, the, theme of the weekend was under construction, which is work. And here it says put your effort in, put your work in to uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, put, put that effort in. It's important. And then um, as I was kind of thinking for a few weeks before the Nanga camp was, yeah, when we're away from the meetings, away from the saints, you know, you you also um, obey, um, not only in the presence of saints, but also when you're away from the presence of the saints, you also obey, um, which, uh, which is more difficult, isn't it? Like you, you're not surrounded by saints and... Um, yeah, that's right. I, was, I mentioned this to the young person. I said, like, what happened a few years ago is um, a, a saint uh, accidentally rang me, so their phone must have been in their pocket or something, and I picked it up, and they were talking to a work colleague, right? And the work colleague was swearing and so forth, and, and the saint was engaging in this conversation, right? And I was taken aback, you know, because we... We talked to the saints here in the room. And then I thought, wait a minute, that's exactly like my work. <laughs> you know, people are swearing and carrying on in my workplace and we're engaging in that conversation. And so here we, we're free uh, to talk about God, talk about Jesus. Uh, we, we are respectful to each other. And then when we're, when we're absent, uh, it's harder to obey because like, you, you get swept up in that, you can get swept up in that mentality and you have to stand up. Uh, you are, um, it's more obvious that you're different because you're not swearing and you're not laughing at the jokes. And that, oh, unbelievable. I just can't believe they still, well, I've been in small meetings, you know, not official meetings, but small meetings and there's rude jokes and I'm just like, like, the spirit is just grieved, and and I and it's obvious I stand out. You know, it's like everyone else is laughing, I'm just sitting there disgusted. Um, and so it's being a, in a, in presence. It says we obey as in a, in presence, but not only that, but in our absence as well, when we're surrounded um, by all the other bits and pieces. So it was an interesting thing there. Um, 
Also, what I wanted to add was, um, so uh, the the older young people that um, that have been going to Nanga since they were fourteen or fifteen, uh, they're now in their mid mid twenties, and um, they. It's just great to see that they um, they understand what it's like when you jump from the ranges to the young peoples, and that. Nanga is pretty full on <laughs> and it's great that it's designed to be full on so it's a huge apparently no it's actually really obvious it's a huge culture shock where you go from ranges then boing into Nanga <laughs> where there's these older older boys and older girls that are flamboyant and full of energy and ah! and so they actually check on the younger ones quite a bit, which is really good because they acknowledge that, hey, they remember what that was like. And um, and also these mid-20-year-olds, they're just really solid leaders and they're fully exhorting and fully encouraging the, the, the younger ones as well, realising that, hey, look, they were there once and they appreciate what was done for them and they're now doing it. And it's just great to see it roll on. It's just fantastic. And... Uh, and, yeah, just on the face of it, all the fun and all the competition and bra, bravado, I suppose, testosterone. Yeah, but underneath, it's, it's just full-on spiritually as well. And, uh, and they just have a desire to just keep going and encouraging and just to hear that discussion as well, that people just want to preach the gospel more as well. That's their desire, uh, which is the start, isn't it? So have that desire and then to pray about it. So that's good. Thank you.